Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. Praise the Lord. Good to see you all here this morning. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Varney family. And what we call heaven down here at this moment, Sister Wanda is now calling it home. That's the goal, isn't it? That's the goal. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed the meeting this year, and the preaching has just been wonderful. The services have been great, and uh, I've been coming to this meeting my entire life. And as telling Brother Josh Smith yesterday before the 2 o'clock service, his son Jackson sitting up there beside of him, and, and I said, I've got a picture of me and your daddy and Isaac Webb and Jacob McCoy whenever we was a lot younger around that age group. And uh, I just, I love to see that families are still coming to camp meetings and being involved in a day where it seems like that our meetings are uh, not hardly what they used to be some of them even closing their doors, but I'm glad to see that there are still people that are bringing their families to camp meeting and serving God and being part of this heritage that we have in the Lord. Love Brother Philip and Sister Carolyn, uh, praying that the Lord will heal Brother Philip and strengthen him. And uh, I, I don't want to be lengthy this morning. I want to give plenty of time to Brother Jimmy John Milliken and all of them. He's such a wonderful preacher, and yesterday uh, morning, I wish he'd have just kept right on going. I know his, his back was up against it with time, but uh, just wonderful preaching there yesterday morning. Brother Shoecraft last night, very capable preacher as well. I want you to grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. Book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. <clears throat> I want to um, draw your attention to... Verse 19, we'll read down through the rest of this chapter. And it's kind of dangerous to preach something for the first time at a meeting like this. I've preached from this 16th chapter a lot, but never from this angle or from this text. Verse number 19, Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, Stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. You'll notice in this 16th chapter that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon David. Then the Spirit of the Lord departs from Saul. 
then an evil spirit from the Lord begins to visit Saul and then David plays with the harp and the evil spirit is removed from Saul. I want to speak to us today on the hired harpist. The hired harpist. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. I love music. My whole life has been around music. At the age of six years old, my grandfather had a Gibson guitar that he bought the day that he went into World War II. And um, I remember being a little boy there at the house and my grandfather showing me my first chord on that guitar. And from there on out, I just have always loved music. I tried to uh, learn how to read sheet music one time, can still read a little bit of it. Me and Brother Barnett, uh, he could read those shape notes as well. I, I never could grasp hold of that, but nevertheless, I still love all kinds of good, godly gospel music. How many this morning enjoys good, wholesome, godly gospel music? I like music that has the scriptures inside of it. I hear a lot of music nowadays, and of course we get a lot of our songs, and I guess some of them are okay from other different walks of and branches of Christianity, but I like to hear wholesome hymns. I like to hear songs that has the Bible as, as their reference point where it is glorifying Jesus Christ. 243 verses in the Bible deal with music. 77 musical instruments are mentioned. 10 different kinds of, of, of uh, musical instruments as well. Singing is mentioned over 400 times throughout the scripture. The longest book in the Bible is a song book because God wants his people to rejoice with a song. I remember I was in, uh, in, in school just one year at God's Bible School in college in Cincinnati. And um, I signed up for a choir class. Now, like I said, I've always been a musician. But the singing thing just has never really been my thing before. And so I thought, well, you know what? Uh, this will be an easy A to be a part of this choir class and sing in the school choir. And so I'm going to give it my best shot. I'll just try to hide behind somebody else. And I'll never forget Mrs. Pottinger, uh, whenever she lined us all up, she lined me up right in front of the microphone. And uh, that was mistake number one. And so whenever we begin to sing that song, about halfway through the first chorus, she stops everything and points at me and says, Son, would you mind to go to the back of the choir? I realized that singing was probably not in my future. I love to hear good gospel singing, but don't call on me to do it. But I can tell you this much, whenever you get to singing around here, a familiar tune, something I know the words to, whether or not I can carry a tune in the bucket does not matter. 
because I begin to lift my voice up and sing praises unto the Lord. That woman came to Shambach one day and that old uh, uh, preacher R.W. Shambach and, and she said, Shambach, you sound like an old rooster crowing when you sing. And he said, woman, I'm just glad I've got something to crow about. That's the way I feel about singing to God. We've got something to sing about. We've got something to glorify God about. Anybody in this house can testify with me when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul begins to rejoice. I begin to make melody in my heart and we begin to sing unto the Lord. The Bible speaks many times over about the harp throughout the scriptures. You'll remember that it was, it was this man David, this, this, this cunning young harpist that was on the backside of the hill keeping the sheep but was making music unto his God. It is this nation of Israel that had more songs than any other civilization at that time. It was a song that could not be duplicated. And can I remind us this morning, just as the Hebrew song could not be duplicated, you cannot duplicate the song of the ransomed or the song of the redeemed. There is a name that I love to hear and I love to sing its worth. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's a song that holy angels cannot sing. Nobody can duplicate the song of the blood bought, the blood washed, like those that are called the children of God. Now listen to me this morning. When the men of Israel returned home from war, the crowds would gather on the streets and they would make music and begin to sing songs. Songs like Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. It was whenever Elisha in 2 Kings chapter number 3, they was needing a word from God. The king of Israel needed direction and guidance from the Lord. How many has ever come to church before and you've needed direction and guidance from God? And it felt like you couldn't feel, you couldn't, you, you didn't know where to turn or what to do. But Elisha says, bring me a minstrel. Somebody gets some music playing. And when they begin begin to play the music the spirit of the Lord and the hand of God came down on Elisha and he began to prophesy I want you to know this morning brother we need the hand of God upon our singing we need the hand of God upon our music at Solomon's temple dedication after that tremendous building project had been completed. The Bible tells us that Solomon assembled the chief priests and the Levites. They were all arrayed in white. And they formed a tremendous choir. And the song of choice 
was page number one out of the hymn book. The Lord is good. How many knows this morning that the Lord is good? He's good when I'm not good. He's good when I don't feel good. But the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord be praised. And while the choir was singing, the Holy Ghost came down in that service. I'd like to see God shake the place again when we begin to give Him honor and glory and worship and praise something about singing something about the song of the redeemed in the book of Revelation whenever those that come out of great tribulation whenever they are dressed in their robes of white they will begin to sing the song of the redeemed and do you remember what the lyrics of that song is Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. I said worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is our God this morning. After 84 years, let the choir sing it again. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The power of music and singing. In our scripture today, we are reading about just how powerful the sound of music really is. I was, we moved houses here a while back in Heritage property and I was going through an old box of tapes and uh, seeing there was, a, there was a preacher, I didn't recognize the name on the front of that old tape. And so I, by, by the way, how many has still got a cassette player somewhere around the house? God bless all you folks. God bless. I'm telling you, whenever Brother Collins died, I had boxes and boxes. I've still got boxes and boxes of tapes. I stay in camp meeting mode right at Christmas time. I mean, it's all the time going to church, putting in a good gospel sermon. But there was, there was a man's name. I didn't recognize this guy's name. And so I put that tape in and got to listening to this guy preach. He he was not part of our affiliation. He was an organized church, Pentecost Church of God preacher. But I, I liked his sermon. And he told this story about a, his pastor in Corning, Arkansas. This man was in the middle of a service. And while the service was going on and the music was playing, this man, this older preacher, fell over in the floor and grabbed at his chest. This man had a heart attack right in the middle of the song service. They immediately stopped the music. His daughter and wife ran over there to where this preacher laid down there on the floor. And, and they, they, said, they said, listen, somebody's got to call the paramedics immediately. Uh, he's had a heart attack. It, it, it seemed like that he's unresponsive. Uh, but 
But they begin to work with him. The people begin to pray. The music had stopped. Nobody singing. Everybody completely, completely drawn back from what had just happened. And they said that this man began to try to mumble something out of his lips. That man kept on saying to his daughter that leaned down listening to what? Daddy, what is it you're trying to tell me? What is it you're trying to tell me? He said, tell them to keep singing. Tell them to keep singing. She said, I think he wants us to strike up the song again. They struck up the song again and God pulled that man out of a heart attack. He preached a sermon that night. He went to the doctor the next morning and they said, sir, you have had a massive heart attack. How is it that you have even walked into this hospital? And he said, it was because of the song of the church. Church never lose our song. Church keep singing. Church Hang on to the harp. Have you lost your song this morning? I'm telling you, it's a sad moment whenever the harp that we one time carried, that we one time danced under its power, shouted the victory shout, Miriam grabbing the tambourine, and begin to shout the praises of God. The Lord hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown. I'm telling you brother. There is nothing like coming to the Richlands Tabernacle. When the Tabernacle's got a harp in their hand. Come on here church. There's nothing like going to camp meeting. When somebody brought a harp. Play me a tune. Sing me out of this. There's nothing like hearing the sound of victory. There is nothing greater than hearing the authentic sound. That comes not out of duty. And not out of performance, but comes from the depths of the soul. I want to talk about this. I'm going to be up here all morning long. But this is why I feel like God directed me to. There, Brother Jimmy John, nothing thrills me anymore. I remember being a kid and you all coming there to Taylor Mill. And there was one time your mom and dad came and Marty was with them. And your dad taking that Gibson guitar And singing, there's a God somewhere. Anybody ever heard them sing that song? There's a God somewhere. And he helps me when my load is hard to bear. And Brother Marty would play so skillfully on that piano. And I realized there is something authentic about what I'm listening to right here. Let me tell you what authentic is. They're not worried about what the payment is going to be. I, y'all's looking at me. They are not worried about making sure that everything sounds just like it should be. They're not worried about how many people are sitting in these pews. They're not worried about what you drove into this tabernacle parking lot. 
They're not worried. There is something to be said about people that have no fear or favor, but they begin to make music unto God. The performance-driven church is where I want to preach at this morning. This is the dagger of our days. What once was authentic, Holy Ghost anointed, powerful music and singing. And can I say it this way? What once was real worship has now just become hired. This man Saul has got a problem. I mean, this man Saul in the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel is in some serious trouble. I don't have time to get into all of it this morning, but this guy has disobeyed the voice of God directly so much that now God says, Saul, I cannot place my hands upon you. I have got to withdraw my spirit from your life. Listen, you might take houses and lands. You might take cars and bank accounts. But never let the Spirit of God depart from your life. Listen, folks, this is the last days. This is the final moments. And we need the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God upon us more than we ever have. Saul's got a problem. The Spirit has departed from off of him. Let me tell you what happens when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man. It walketh through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. Returns to the house from whence it came and comes back seven times stronger. In this disobedient Once anointed man, king of Israel that stood head and shoulders above everyone else throughout all the land. This this handsome character Saul now finds himself where the evil spirit from the Lord. I didn't say it was an evil spirit of the Lord, but it was an evil spirit from the Lord. When the spirit of God is removed off of your life, the hedge is torn down, and there ain't no telling the evil that God will allow to come into your life. This man has an evil spirit that visits him. Bible says in verse number 14, the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. That same word trouble there is used in Job 22 and 10. Therefore snares are around about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee. That word trouble means overcoming terror. This man Saul was overcame With terrible, terrible fear. When he is overwhelmed by this power of darkness. The servants that was 
working for Saul in his palace says there's something wrong. Saul's not standing up as straight as he once did. Saul is not talking the way that he once talked. I mean there was a day where the Lord would move upon Saul and he would prophesy. There was a day when God put a new heart inside of this man. But now he's back to his old ways. He's beyond that. He's not talking sensible. He's out out of his mind there's a spirit that's upon this I've come to tell somebody this morning that there is an evil that is lurking all around us that is ready to jump on you just like it got others there's a spirit of fornication a spirit of adultery a spirit of lust a spirit of sin a spirit of malice a spirit of bitterness a spirit of jealousy a spirit of anger that's took others down and it's coming upon you. And the servant said, We got the answer for you, Saul. There is a man in your kingdom that plays skillfully upon the harp. Listen. I have spent hours and hours listening to Chet Atkins' Back Home Hymns records. The old records. My dad was too tight to buy the actual CD when I was a kid growing up. So, used the turntable. I listened to that. Chet Atkins playing his guitar on Back Home Hymns. And I would try to master those licks, Brother Jared. With, I mean, whenever he would play, everybody's got to walk that lonesome valley. I'd try to make it sound just like old Chet did. But there's a time... There's a time whenever the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a musician and you're able to make sounds like you've never made before. Glory to God. I mean, you have some of the finest talent that Nashville could never buy off right here on this stage at the camp meeting this week. But I have come to tell you, brother, that Saul did not need to hire a substitute. He did not need the sound of another musician. What Saul needed was to build an altar back to God. This is the generation that says, hire it done. Let's fit six months worth of preaching into three nights. Let's try to make something happen immediately. And they do make something happen immediately. But I, I, y'all ever read old A.B. Simpson, Alfred Benjamin Simpson? Old Christian missionary lions preacher. I read this last week, Brother LePage, and man, I, I love this statement. A.B. Simpson said, Don't ever celebrate the victories coming in the front door if there's a leak in the back door. And I mean to tell you, Saul, when David played on his harp, David did his duty. I mean, the Spirit of God is upon David. And upon what David is doing. And Saul's reaping the benefits of this. And the Bible said, And Saul was refreshed and well. But Saul, you care more about your sanity than you do your own soul. 
it's a time where we would rather be comforted instead of being converted. It is a time whenever we are looking for an employee to come along to where we're at and preach the devil away, but we never deal with the flesh. Did you know that everything that happens to you in your life is not a direct result of the devil attacking you? It's easy to go to our conferences and our meetings and punchline people to death and preach the devil away. But it's another thing to preach an altar of consecration to where you allow God to come down here and deal with the flesh and break the back of sin that is over top of you in your life. You see, the great tragedy of this is the fact that we can come to a meeting just like we're in this morning. Hear anointed preaching like we heard last night and like you're going to hear throughout the rest of the day today. And you will leave this building and saying, thank God I got refreshed. Thank God I got refreshed. Thank God that I got renewed. But you go back into the same old evil spirit troubling you. When the music's turned down and when the choir ain't singing it loud and when the preacher ain't preaching the devil away and you still got to deal with Saul in the mirror. Five minutes and I'm done. There comes a day in Psalms 137 that the people of God were in captivity and the Bible said they that carried us away captive required of us a song. Sing me back. Sing me out of the blues. Sing me out of this distress. Sing me out of this trouble. Sing me away from this preacher. Preach me an uplifting sermon. Let me feel better about this. But there was a day when the harp was on the willow tree and they could not sing. But there is never a day that God's altar for repentance is closed. The music department might be shut down, but thank God the Holy Ghost, altar of repentance, holiness, and separation is never closed. Bear with me. Wilkerson, David Wilkerson said, True obedience to Christ comes when you are no longer looking to just get ahead, but you seek. Repentance. Godliness with repentance is great gain. Saul was not needing a hired harpist to fix the devils and the flesh and the evil that was engulfing him. Saul was close to the greatest music that the world has ever known but was far removed from building an altar himself. It would be 30 years later when King David would come to the throne and would face, sometime we do face the same thing that our predecessors face just in different forms or fashions. 
H.G. Wells said about Saul, he was not so much a man as he was a one-man civil war. Constantly fighting within his spirit. And whenever David, Satan, stood up, provoked David to number Israel. And I ain't got time to get into all this this morning. David sinned greatly. Looked out over the horizon at Jerusalem and there the angel of the Lord had his sword drawn. Ready to execute judgment. But what does David do? He says, let me fall into the hands of the Lord. You know all that Saul needed to do was fall into the hands of a merciful God. No reason to hire another singer or hire another harpist or hire another preacher to come preach you out of this. It's time to build an altar. Look at what David does in 1 Chronicles 21. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar. I tell you if you're looking for God to answer you, build an altar. If you're needing a miracle, build an altar. If you're needing the fire of the Holy Ghost back in your ministry, build an altar. The altar's the difference maker. I said the altar is the difference maker. Noah, after the flood in 8 and 20 of Genesis, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore. When altars are built, promises are made. And when God makes promises, promises are always kept. After the great battle of Amalek, Moses in Exodus 17 and 15 and Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Jacob in Genesis 35, whenever he returned back to Bethel, that place where he first felt God, built there an altar unto the Lord and called it El Bethel, which means the God of the house of God. I've come to tell you this morning, brother and sister, if we do not learn to get back to building an altar, we will do the same as Saul did. Instead of falling upon the altar of mercy and repentance, do you remember how Saul falls? He falls not in battle from a piercing arrow, but he falls upon his own sword. The man that received comfort but no conversion. The man that received sanity in his mind but no peace in his soul. The man that said, I think I'll just hire it done. Twenty-one attempts would come upon that harpist's life. And Saul would eye David from that moment forward. And he never dealt with the fact that there's some things in life you cannot do by proxy.
you cannot hire it done. You cannot pay an employee enough to really bring godly revival of repentance into your life. But you've got to pay the full price yourself. Stand with me all over the house. Father, I thank you for this congregation this morning. God, I feel your spirit here right now. I pray, God, you let this word fall upon good ground and let someone realize their extreme need for you. Let them fall upon the altar instead of falling upon their own sword. In the name of Jesus, we ask it.